Everybody. It's Haley and Justine. And this and is this is uh, in a time of ancient gods, the Xena podcast, where we are going through every episode of Xena Warrior Princess, recapping the episodes and researching the myths and histories of the Xenaverse hmm. with you, our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much for joining uh, us. We're so happy to be here. We're so glad you're here. This episode, I'm sure you know, watch it 17 times in a row. Is. We are so. <laughs> it's one of the ones I know best, but it surprises me every time. It's just. Every single time. Immersive. It's amazing. We're so talking, of course, <laughs> about season one, episode 22. Callisto. Oh, this is, I think, one of my most memorable first watches mm-hmm. i remember being like how i don't know however we old we were like nine or something just being like this is the coolest <laughs> look at all so of these great. lady warriors <laughs> some of them are insane <laughs> they're so angry <laughs> so angry and justified anger and i don't yes. know what's right <laughs> i'm also tormented <laughs> show me more show me more should we get into it uh, yeah. Let's okay. get into it. So season one, episode 22, Callisto, originally aired on the 13th of May, 1996. It was written by R.J. Stewart and directed by T.J. Uh, yes, directed by T.J. Scott. Hello. Um, IMDb says, a blonde woman called Callisto kills innocent people stating she's Xena, warrior princess. Mm. And Xena and Gabrielle try to stop her. They meet for first time a warrior wannabe called Joxer, mm-hmm. and Xena has to face a dark event from her past related to Callisto and her village, Syra. Mm. Great synopsis. So, it's great synopsis. It introduces every important character. I think one of the best things about this episode, Haley and I were discussing off mm-hmm. um, off mic. Off is the record. The incredible cast of characters yes. that are introduced here and just really the building on the Xenoverse <sighs> of mm-hmm. more people whose lives are intricately interwoven into the fabric of Xena's life right. and ours. Yeah. And they're extent. all kind of in the warrior field, even though Joxer's kind of the wannabe warrior. This is mm-hmm. like more characters in the warrior field. So not just, um, you know, the kind of side characters who engage with Xena. Who we love. Definitely. Yes. But this like is kind having, of like all within her world. Yeah. And Callisto is such an equal and mirror to Xena that it really, like bringing mm-hmm. that mirror to Xena shows even more about her character. And mm-hmm. it's phenomenal. So I looked up Hudson Like. Oh. In my head, I'd always pronounced it Hudson yes, Leak, but I'm same. pretty positive it's Hudson Like. Hmm. 
anyone can send <laughs> us an email at chattyfood at gmail if we are completely incorrect. <laughs> No, she plays Callisto. And then, Haley, this is a tidbit I thought you would find interesting. Mm. She was in an episode of Seventh Heaven. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> what so about Eight is Enough? <laughs> is that what the next one is? Um, is that in, Are they doing a new Seventh Heaven no, show? No, no. There was, um, wasn't there Eight is Enough? Now I have to look it up. Eight you is gotta Enough. You got to look that up. All I know is I yeah. got lost in YouTube clips and... Seventh Heaven remains one of the worst shows I've ever seen, and I <laughs> can't believe we watched so much of it. <laughs> I haven't seen it in so long. It was op- it was so awful. The episode was like this kid, and it it was I wasn't even sure Hudson Like was in this episode. It mm. was just like in a rock block <laughs> of suggestions when I type in Hudson Like Seventh Heaven, <laughs> and it was like this kid has a dog in a dog food commercial, and oh no. The show airs, and sorry, this is really boring. This Tell me more about it. it. No, anyway, I'll just look it up. Not in it. <laughs> <laughs> but Haley and I, as children, had a mutual hatred of Seventh Heaven. So yeah, we would hate watch a lot. <laughs> yeah, we did. I do remember it, and I don't remember anything except that it was annoying to watch. And what's her name was in it? Who's great? So there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where are we at the opening of this episode? There's flames. Yes. We're in a village. Burning. There's a child (laughs) staring at the wreckage of his former home. (laughs) Villagers are screaming. There's a blonde woman riding around. I don't want to die. More than one person, I'm sure, but yes. One person is very audibly screaming that. Yeah, the blonde woman rides her horse, and she knocks the child over. He falls to the ground and watches another man die in front I of him. I know, just <laughs> it was so it's dark. very traumatic. Extremely, <laughs> I was I was even like thinking about maybe I'll watch this with Henry. This one, and then I was like, oh wait, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> start terrifying. off small blonde boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Forget it. Wait till he's ten. <laughs> There's the slow Ukrainian song as a woman walks through past the child and she goes up to a villager fighting a soldier. The camera pans up and she's a beautiful blonde Ooh. clad in like leather and chainmail, like breastplate. Yes. She doesn't look scared at all. No. And he's like, run, woman. They're trying to kill us all. Mm-hmm. And she's dressed in armor. And she's carrying like, a Clearly not sword, from their village. Yeah. Like, how many people live in his village anyway? Trying. 30 people. I think we're succeeding, she says. <gasps> yeah. And she runs him through with a blade, then laughs maniacally, watching the destruction and looking at the blood on her sword. I oh love how she's God. just staring at her sword, like, so, <laughs> so thrilled. Incredible. <laughs> she's amazing. Hudson. The soldier runs up to an old woman. And she says, oh, and then Callisto says, the crone should live. Yeah. And let everyone know that death will befall any who defy her. Yes. And the old lady asks who she is. And with a smile, what does she say? <gasps> I'm Xena, warrior princess. <laughs> and she tosses her head back. <laughs> her maniacal laugh and like warrior cry or. Oh my god, it's like she's burning she alive. Like, exactly. It is exactly like she's burning alive. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. And it's never she's like, perfect. oh, this is old. She was burning alive like two minutes ago. No, it's like no. freshly searing. She just like 
so completely appeals to my like need to watch Mad Women in the Attic. Part. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> but like very angry Mad Women in so the Attic. So angry. So angry and powerful and like mm-hmm. yeah, past the attic. She's burned she's everyone. Like and burst she's like burst out of the window in the attic, screaming yeah. and laughing. And then she and like lands on her. a horse and like rides <laughs> off into the sea. Exactly. It's so justified and yes. frightening. Yeah, Ugh. I know. Oh, oh my gosh. Great. Okay. I mean, so you know credits- from like this very moment that this is going to be a wonderful adventure you're embarking on. Yeah. Like this is not a regular warlord. This Mm-mm. isn't like Callisto is clearly not. Just yeah. a one episode toss right, away. Exactly. Big yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love amazing. her. All right. So dun, 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 we get through the credits. Uh, Xena's in a tavern. There's this mm-hmm. like scruffy dude sidles up to the bar demanding wine. And Xena tosses her drink down the bar and says he can use it more than her. Mm-hmm. And asks if he's okay. She's being she's being greatly sensitive and like alone I at the know. bar. I know. <laughs> Having some downtime. <laughs> and we learned this guy's name is yeah his name's Melas yes and I looked up Melas on theoi.com and it means dark in ancient oh. Greek and he was the lord of an island Chios and the son of Poseidon and a nymph from the island of Chios hmm. and he was possibly gave his name to the river Melas in Egypt which was Ooh. later renamed the Nile oh my so, goodness amazing go. I love that <laughs> That's beautiful, Milas. Melas. Melas. Xena introduces herself. He says, the warrior princess. Uh, and she says, yes. some people call me that. <laughs> and then I was he kind attacks. of realizing, like, again, well, yeah, he attacks. But also, like, I'm, I'm realizing that she never calls herself the warrior princess, mm-hmm. which is like an epithet that's been ascribed to her mm-hmm. by everyone else in the world. It's so funny. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm learning what epithet means. Because know, for obsessed. such a long time, I was just like, it's something that has to do with a name, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, but, but it's now like, it's like <laughs> this cultural cult-specific thing. I know, I know. shows so many layers of appropriation, and it's so ancient and cool. I love it. Thanks, podcast. I've thanks, so podcast. Much thanks, here. us. <laughs> well, thanks to Justine. Well, thanks for... Uh, oh, thanks, no, Nina, thank really. you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so he lunges at her. She flips, she flips him over, over her head onto the yeah. floor. I mean, oh, we're shit. in the moment, Justine. <laughs> we're totally in sync. I know. <laughs> I love just immediately, like, when Zena handles a situation mm-hmm. and she just completely, like, someone else tries to escalate it and she, like, de-escalates yeah, she's it by like, just oh, dominating. Now you're flipped on the floor. <laughs> I will use all your power against you. Yes. Tell me now yes. what you want. Use your words. Um, yeah. And then he thinks that she murdered his son. Yeah, and everyone in the village. And every traveler between here and Corinth has a story about an army led by Xena. Oh, my God. And she's like, this is a lie. Mm-hmm, but the and extras in the background are like, is it true? <laughs> is it true? <laughs> Do you think you it's true? You killed us. <laughs> I don't want to die. <laughs> she's back. <laughs> Uh, Gabby and Zena head out. Gabby hasn't said anything, and I was like, "Gabby, what what are your thoughts on this?" But she yeah. hasn't talked about Maybe anything. She's yet. A tummy ache. <laughs> <laughs> the Melas is like, "I won't rest until you're dead." Yeah. And then Zena says, "You'll do what you think you have to, oh, yeah. but you've got the wrong person." I like that answer. I do too. I like mm-hmm. the running theme of 
you'll do what you think you have to. I know. You know. Regardless of what the facts are. Yeah. So then we get to, we're on the road. We're heading to Corinth to figure out what's going on. And then they run into more villagers. <laughs> just like. Oh, yeah. Refugees from this burned <laughs> village. They're like, is that Xena? And Argo is like whinnying and not happy about any of this. Mm -hmm. And then everyone's glaring at her with fear and hatred. And they pass by. Who a pale-faced man in a pile of handmade armor. It's a weird plate shield he has on his <laughs> tummy. And Xena's talking to Gabrielle, and she's, like, reminiscing about the old days when she wanted to make people hate her, and she, like, used to love seeing that expression on people's faces. Mm. And the pale dude— I missed that. Oh, I was like, but, Xena, tell me about the old days. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this pale-faced man jumps in front of them, and who is it? Hey, it's Joxer the Mighty! <laughs> Xena's like, get lost. But Joxer wants to be a soldier in Xena's army. She's <laughs> not very he's, nice. <laughs> he's wearing like a, a hat that's like kind of too large for him that has a chin strap. Yeah. Um, he has just like piles of like weird tempered tin on yeah. him. On like leather armor. Yeah. And like that gong trash can lid mm -hmm. breastplate thing. Yeah. He just keeps following them, talking about his bloodlust. He calls and then Gabby Zina a little girl. <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay. I'm like, get out of like, here. Who are you? <laughs> Zena grabs his nose and tells him if he likes blood so much to keep talking. Oh. <laughs> that shuts him up for the time being. And then he sulks off saying she must be threatened by his masculine prowess, which I... <laughs> He's, like, one of the only people who's ever, like, really emasculated by Xena, which is kind of That's true. interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I have no other thoughts on that. Well, <laughs> put that, put a little bookmark there. <laughs> I have no thoughts um, on that either. I think okay. it's partially because he's such, like, a braggart and, like, no. bases so much of his identity on, like, a, like a facade of toughness. And demeaning totally. other people. He's, like, people. so insecure. Mm-hmm. And where everybody else is, like, insecure, they also have some kind of power. Like, all these other warlords mm -hmm. still have people who believe in them and are, like, yeah. fighting with them. But Joxer And I'm sure they would nothing. feel emasculated by Xena. But I think because Joxer, especially in this scene, makes gender such mm -hmm. a big thing. Yeah, they, like, you're right. And, like, he's so easily defeated. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting in this episode, there's... Like, all of the heavy players are all female. Mm -hmm. And, like, all of the yeah. power that you see are all female. And then to have this, like, weak character right. kind of being begging to be let into that world mm -hmm. is just interesting. Yeah. Ugh, I love that insight. Ugh, I love the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a great episode, you guys. Oh, I really... God. I'm so glad you're all here with us. Just okay. watch it while you're listening. It's just so great. <laughs> <laughs> Don't so we're continuing on the path. Xena yeah. knows something is going on. Mm -hmm. She's just like, we watch her like kind of sniffing around and sniffing the air. And then Melas pounces from over the hill. He tries to grab her. She fights him. Oh, and yeah. she kicks him like 20 feet in, like <laughs> away from her and then ties him to a tree. I know. And which was. And it looks like he's like, um. Who's the guy whose liver is eaten out of his body like every day by an eagle and is then it, it grows back? It might be Prometheus. I think it's Prometheus. I yeah. think we did that. We definitely did that episode. <laughs> I know. I'm was, like, yeah, who no, it was is. It? It's Prometheus. It's, yeah, it's the episode Prometheus, Prometheus Bound, which is interesting because that I think comes up again 
in this. Yes, it does come up again mm. in this episode. So it's interesting, interesting. that there's like that little. I know. Pile. I was like, how long is he going to stay there? Is he going to rot on that tree? I yeah. guess somebody's going to come and take him off of yeah. there. But yeah, because Gabby is like, here's a little cushion. <laughs> and what she? Oh, he swears he's going to kill her. Gabby makes him. The, yeah, the little pillow. She just like wraps up with some mm. fabric wraps. And then she says if Xena was a monster, she would have killed him by now. But it's kind of more monstrous to just leave him tied to a tree. (laughs) (laughs) To die slowly. Yeah, we'll put a question mark there. But I did like as, yeah, as they left, Gabby's like, goodbye. Hope you find peace. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great day. (laughs) Come back soon. Okay, next scene. Xena and Gabby. Oh, yeah. They're walking through. There's a score of people crucified. I know. And this village being burned. It's really dark. I know. And there's so many people being crucified. And it's hard to tell. I guess they're maybe crucified and they're dead. Zine and Gabby are not distracted by this. And they just kind of. They don't try to help anybody. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, one, two, three, go. And they ride zigzagging between the crucified bodies. Yeah, they're fighting all the soldiers. Well, I guess that is what you would do. Like first, I mean, yeah, you gotta you like can't. take care of the problem. You can't just like stop and take Cut dying people, people off from the truth. <laughs> you think that Gabby would help? I it it kind of maybe they're already dead. Were. We don't know. Yeah, but okay. they're just they're they're riding through. Xena sends a chakram. It bonks people in the head. Whir, 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 whir. And then all <gasps> of a sudden, bang 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 bang. Who catches Someone it? Someone catches it. It's. Galista! <laughs> she screams like her entire body is consumed with flames. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Haley right now. She's wiggling as if she was a flame herself. <laughs> I am the fire. <laughs> also a little bit like one of those wind sock people. Yeah, that's my movement. It's my inspiration. <laughs> and she says, you want it? Come and get it. Ooh. And then both ladies draw swords and charge on their horses. And then, yeah. oh, and then in my notes, There's I had like kept calling her blonde woman, but it's like clear that we know she's Callisto now because yeah. that's the name of the episode. And also, it was, was introduced that way. Yeah. At MTV, and we so. love Callisto so much. We cannot see her as any blonde woman having once <laughs> seen this episode. <laughs> no, she is not just a blonde woman. <sighs> they joust. It's like a horse battle. And Callisto scratches Xena with her sword. The village is on fire around them. Everything's being consumed in flame. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then Kalisto's like, Kalisto, I'm good. Yeah. As good as you. And why not? You made me. But what does she mean? <gasps> they charge again and Xena knocks the sword out of her hand. And then we find out that Kalisto was the one who shot her with the poison mm. dart in our last episode. Uh-oh. Xena figures it out. And um, Zena had done that, or um, Kalisto had done that so that she could revive Zena's reputation as a killer of women and children. Zena disagrees. The, yeah, she said, I never did that. And <laughs> Kalisto says, well, you have now, which is so also interesting of like just the concept of reputation and facts. Mm-hmm. And mythology. And, and mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will just believe whatever other people say. Oh, my God. Uh, they pick up a flagstaff each. They joust again. They ululate and flip off their horses. <laughs> and then we find out that Xena destroyed Callisto's hometown, Syrah, mm-hmm. which I looked up oh. and it was a town near modern day Turkey. And it was noted for 
having an oracle of Apollo there. Oh, really? Which is so, which I'll get back to later. But oh. it's very interesting that they would choose that name for that town. Interesting. Yeah, Xena fights other people and she pinches a guy and demands he tells her who the blonde woman is. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that Callisto wants to kill Xena in combat. And Callisto is going to kill the Oracle of Delphi and yes. blame it on Xena. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, At Apollo's sacrifice. <laughs> Xena says she made her and she'll be the one to destroy her. Yes. And then Melos runs up and says he knows it wasn't Xena. And Xena says, careful, I'm in a bad mood. And I love that line so much. <laughs> her acting in this is so... Uh. I'm just completely with her and yeah. totally involved in her mm-hmm. like irritation and anger and desperation and guilt and shame. I know. Yeah. And Milos is like, oh, I'm going to go after her anyway. Can't I be your burden? Can't you take care of me while I go try to fight this warlord by myself as a farmer dad? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, sure. Come on. Yeah. I know you're going to do it anyway. So I guess I'll take care of you too. <laughs> he's he's pretty annoying. But mm-hmm. I understand his entire, yeah. his child was murdered. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it, okay? Melos. <laughs> Melos. Okay. So I think it's Melos, right? I think it's Melos. Yeah. I keep saying Melos, but it's Melos. It's like Melos, my <laughs> village? I don't know. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> okay. Cut two. Callisto and her army are building a giant woven sculpture that's like eight stories tall. Oh. And they're practicing fighting on these ladders. Yeah. Her soldiers are hitting her with sticks, and she's right. catching them all, and she's this great fighter doing these, like, ladder dance yeah. intricate things. Yeah, it's like things. her own ladder fighting gym that's constructed <laughs> solely for ladder fighting. And she can, like, it, how big would you say those ladders are? They're probably at least, like, 20 feet tall. Oh, yeah. And then, so, and it's just, like, not a, like, an A-frame ladder, just, mm-hmm. like, a just straight, like, a straight, straight ladder. And so she'll be, like, be up at the top and, like, balancing on it as right. if she was on stilts, like, yeah. walking around. And then she'll, it's like, flip it so that she can kind of walk around. Such core strength so, in these people. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Their abs alone. <laughs> I sit on my like exercise ball <laughs> in my like, home office. We live vicariously entirely <laughs> through Callisto's army. <laughs> it's all the exercise we get. It's our muscles imitating those motions when we it's sit like, and watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great scene. I mean, yeah. I live for this ladder fight arena here it's probably one of my favorite entire in the xenoverse like well i had some great layer great notes about this that i want to bring up later and we can talk about sound cool Mm -hmm. cool cool so the soldier xena put the pinch on comes up to Callisto and tells her he told xena everything i love his outfit he's like Oiled up in like a very strappy leather outfit. <laughs> yeah, all back. of her soldiers look great. I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's really cultivated a fantastic army. Like her aesthetic is is wonderful, and her yeah. costume too is it so looks good. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to bring my. I was going to bring my Callisto action figure out and oh. just like have it on screen. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Later. Later. Um. Okay. So yeah, we find so out he the soldier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the oiled up <laughs> soldier <laughs> that Zena put the pinch on comes up to Callisto and says that he told Zena everything just like she wanted. Mm. And um, so then I kind of wonder if like maybe 
Callisto had like sent him out looking so strapping. Just oh yeah, that he'd catch Zena's attention. <laughs> <laughs> strapping, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'll put the pinch on that guy. Yeah, exactly. She did. But it's all a trap, Zena. Uh-oh. All of this is a trap. Look out. Speaking of traps, behind yeah, him, stumbling uh, forward in the grasp of the warlords, is Joxer. Uh, he smiles. He was hiding him. in a supply wagon. Hmm. <laughs> Why? And then he calls Callisto a warrior queen. Oh, yeah. And asks her to forgive his intrusion. Mm. And and it's so from knowing Joxer from other episodes, it's so funny watching this introduction because yes. he's not he's like a little more earnest. I don't I don't know. It's just interesting. Like we don't quite have his backstory, but we're getting right. it a little bit. And he seems young. Just watching him try to be bad. He seems very young. I know. Little Joxer. Yeah. So this whole time I love she's standing okay. beginning of our journey with Joxer. Oh, me too. Okay, so this whole time she's standing like five feet above everybody on this mm-hmm. horizontal ladder. And she has Zena's chakram on her hip. And she's doing this like her stance is like like first position in ballet mm. or something. Did you notice how she was standing? Mm-hmm. So it was just like so interesting watching her do this like feminine, very intentional yet casual power stance and this like super sexy like two-piece leather chainmail armor and she's also mm-hmm. like drinking a beer at the same time. She's just such an interesting character. I know. <sighs> Everything about her. I know. We love Galisto. I can't wait for like the future episodes. She's going to go through so many developments. Every one of them a gem. Yeah. So if any of you guys haven't watched Cena. Just put a pin in Callisto because oh, yeah. you uh, want to remember her name. Okay, so everyone's laughing at Joxer, saying he's a warrior. She calls him an idiot. He says he cultivates the idiot look to put people at ease yeah. and get the drop on them, which is very true. That happens. Yeah. To people. Some you know, people. You don't underestimate anybody. True. Yeah. <laughs> Callisto says he can prove himself to her by bringing Gabrielle to her. Yes. And... She's going to kill the Oracle of Delphi with Xena's chakram. Right. Xena's weapon will be found in the Oracle's skull. Then she kisses mm-hmm. the chakram and throws it passionately, but seemingly erratically. And it almost hits a few guys before slicing open a conveniently placed watermelon. There's so many conveniently placed watermelons. I know. Just so many watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> and um, um. I liked that they had watermelons for uh, Callisto's crew. They have watermelons and grapes. It's a pretty cool place. Yeah. It seemed, I mean, it could be worse. Could be a lot worse. (laughs) Careful not to get melon belly. (laughs) What's melon belly? Oh, I'm glad you asked. It's another. (laughs) (laughs) Is that an Instagram I should follow? (laughs) It's a YouTube deep dive you can get into. It's a rabbit hole. Just Google it. See what comes up. It's if you eat fruit and nothing else. And people are like, my belly. But then they don't want to eat anything except fruit. Yeah. It makes your belly hurt if you eat only fruit. That's what I've gleaned from my melon belly deep dive. (laughs) Thanks, Haley. Anytime. Meanwhile, by the light of the the moon. Fire Mm -hmm. and the moon. Gabby is being sensitive and asking Melas when he last slept. Yeah. And she's just like not understanding that when he sleeps, he's probably just going to see his dead son screaming and being consumed in flame. That's terrible. So he, he should sleep, but also like maybe someone should give him a... Maybe Zena can, like, pinch him and make him pass out yeah. or something. Yeah. A full deep sleep. He just wants Callisto's blood. Yeah. Gabby's uncomfortable. She's, like, shifty. 
Shuffle she doesn't understand bloodlust. No, she doesn't. All. It's her, an area she doesn't isn't able to penetrate. Mm-mm. And so she, which, but even though she like kind of had it in the last episode when she thought Zena was dead, I guess it wasn't like bloodlust per se. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, it's, she, it's just interesting how Gabrielle handles death and grief is an interesting ongoing experience on the show. Yeah, and I think also like. That she's, like, uncomfortable without being able to penetrate that. Like, she doesn't, like, like you're saying, like, she doesn't understand it enough to, like, understand the unwillingness to talk about it, too. That mm-hmm. that's, like, she doesn't have a lot that she can do in this area. It seems like she feels, like, a little bit out of place. And in order to comfort her own self, she has to, like, yeah. be able to resolve these conflicts in other people at this point. Yeah, she has to be an emotional caretaker for everyone. Mm -hmm. And she, like, it definitely seems like she doesn't understand the concept of, like, the intrusive thoughts Mm -hmm. of what happened to everybody else. She's just always been so, she's just, she's just young. She's young. And she's learning about this other aspect, too. Because with Xena, she was able to kind of turn it around and be like, no, let's be on this new path together. But here, both people that she's with this evening are like, "Mm, I really don't want to talk about this, and I do feel really angry and bad, and I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like Gabrielle's never... She just doesn't have that anger. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't have rage. Not like (laughs) someone right now. Not like someone. (laughs) So, and when she goes over to Xena, Xena is, like, staring at the fire, unblinking, and so her... Acting as she's staring into the fire was phenomenal. I mean, <laughs> this is why we watch the show. I mean, it blows it out of the park. We're so, like, we've got the two powerhouses now. I mean, we love, love, love Gabby, but we can't help but be infatuated with the um, depth of, like, suffering and anger and, like, power of Zena yeah. and Callisto. Yeah. It's not and, that we think that Gabby they're like a pair, but like, you, you know, know, they're but both it's also such like, like so like elevated by these like mm-hmm. there's like the relationship between Gabrielle and Zena, which is like right. so deep and so important. But yeah. now there's this other relationship with Callisto, which is right. something so painful that, and like so painful brings and, like, her you back created to this, this person place in her life. Yeah. And like, no matter what you do, can you make up for what you've done? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Ugh. Okay, so she Zena kind of starts talking about the village, mm-hmm. Kalisa's village. She says a fire broke out. She wasn't sure how. It swept through the town like a wave of death. Yikes. And so she was responsible for the death of women and children. Mm-hmm. And there were just a handful of survivors. And Zena sheds a tear. I know. It was devastating. It was like yeah. the women and children are hiding in houses. And then the fire came. It's just like such a... Like, I was surprised. I didn't remember, like, how much this episode actually touched on some of the, like, devastation and, like, real terror of warfare. Like, I often see, like, remember Xena as being kind of, like, cartoonish in the action because it is so often. But it also has these levels of, like, watching it as an adult, especially, like, total terror and, like, you know, I think... Lucy Lawless deals with that, as you're saying, in her acting really well to kind of bring it into reality where it's not just like a cartoonish Xena who's dealing with that, but like a real person who's like, this has really happened. And it was like, you know, 
She's so traumatized. Mm -hmm. And the layers are so... She's just such an amazing actress to be able to hold this character who is, like, over the top and can be cartoonish and Mm -hmm. can, like, seemingly fly and has superhuman strength, but also has such... Uh, she's also just like a woman who's right. had all these experiences and she's had such losses and such deep loves. Mm-hmm. And it's all, you can't compartmentalize. They're right. all just there yeah. all the time. I love it. Zena says she doesn't blame Callisto. Gabby does blame her. Mm-hmm. She hates, okay, Gabby's talking about how hate makes everyone a killer and someone mm-hmm. has to say no to this lust for revenge. Right. And that it's, and she talks about bloodlust being this infection, which Ooh. is, uh, Really, I like that yeah. um, analogy and that right. um, metaphor for that. I mean, maybe it's not so much that she doesn't understand it, but that she's disturbed by its, like, pull on the people that she's right next to. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think the reason why we're noticing this moment of Gabby being uncomfortable is because she's so often comfortable in situations yeah. like this. But it yeah. seems like maybe in this moment, particularly Zena feeling exposed and, like, endangered by the presence of this past coming up to her like makes Gabby feel like whoa like this thing that I'm so opposed to and I do understand maybe not like personally in my heart but like as something that I've witnessed is really close to me and the people I love right now yeah personally yeah And she's been able to, like, in that one episode with Xena's dad, where Xena kind of, like, flips into that warlord bloodlust mentality again. Mm-hmm. And then Gabby was just in horror and able to stop her. Mm-hmm. But she was able to stop her, like, with that, you know, with their connection. Mm-hmm. But she, with now this, like, new, like, exterior manifestation mm-hmm. of Xena's, like, pain and power and past. Right. Like, Gabby has no power there at right. all. Like, That's how can true. she, what can she even do to stop Callisto? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So, I thought actually in this moment yeah. when Gab- Gabby's talking with Zena and like, and she like stops Zena, like, she's like, no, promise me you won't become a monster if something mm, happens yeah. to me. Like, you have to promise me. And Zena's yeah. like, well, have a good sleep. And she's like, no, no, like, you have to stop and promise me <laughs> yeah. that. Like, they felt like so much like partners in that moment. It just seemed like yeah. such like an adult, like, romantic, deep partnership commitment yeah that's like beyond the infatuation and the like you know friendship it's like no no this is a commitment like our souls are committed to each other and this is what we demand of each other i thought that was like such a revealing moment in this episode too it was it was really really powerful and Mm -hmm. so so it happens just so quickly yeah it is really like yeah i almost like lost over it too but it's really Thank you for bringing that up. It's really yeah, and I amazing think, like, to see them be such strong partners. Yeah, like for me watching it as like an adult woman who's married, like I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is like a familiar, like you make demands on your partner and you're like, no, no, yeah. this is like, you know, how we are together. This is our commitment to each other. But yeah. then it also made me think about, like I also watched a lot of Pen15 Club and I was oh. reading like there, those yeah. actresses talk about their experiences in that and how intense like friendship is in adolescence maybe particularly female friendship I don't know but like the kind of intensity of like you have that similar kind of commitment to your friends when you're 13 and you're like well yeah this is like maybe we don't make the demands on each other yeah but that kind of commitment and like undying 
devotion. Yeah, like when you're like in that adolescent space, when you're first kind of like coming into like your brain chemistry going into adulthood and you're able to like conceptualize people outside of yourself Mm -hmm. like your immediate strongest relationships and trust spaces are with your friends Mm -hmm. so like that's where you're gonna put that intensity right of like ride or die mentality yeah and and then as you grow up like you know you depending on you know whoever you are if you end up like in some kind of like monogamous partnership those are the kind of demands and requests and like packs that you're making with people. Yeah. So, I just yeah. love like that kind of immediacy and depth that they get into, like always in this show, but particularly in this yeah. moment in like a minute of screen time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like- and it, yeah, it makes it so clear that it's not like, this is the kind of, they have these kind of conversations and this is just the kind of relationship they have. Like mm-hmm. we're not witnessing anything that's, I mean, it's monumental in the content, but it's not it's not like they haven't had so many conversations off screen. Like, it's mm-hmm. just such a well-built relationship. Yeah. And it's so clear. Yeah. Ugh, I love amazing. that moment. Okay. So we move on, and Gabby and Zena are going to Delphi for okay. the sacrifice. But, oh, but and Zena oh. did promise. She yes, did make she did. Promise. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to conclude so, that part. So, yeah, conclusion. Zena has promised that if anything happens to Gabby, she's not going to go on a bloodlust mm-hmm. rage. And Gabby wipes away a tear, and then Zena tells her to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful So moment. then, let's just set up the scene, and then I'll talk about my research. Okay. Sounds perfect. Cool. So, we're in Oracle Town. We don't really know what town this is, and the Oracle should be arriving soon. Everyone's wearing cult robes. Oh, so yeah. So, cult watch, everybody. Cult you watch. Can mark, mark your calendars. They're special, elaborate robes <laughs> this time. <laughs> they have these, like, white shrouds with this, like, red and gold pattern on yeah. them. Yeah. The crowd is carrying on, oh, I forget what that's called, but it's like a bassinet on sticks yeah. for someone. What are those called? I have it on like the tip of my brain, but it's fading away. It's receding <laughs> to the clouds. A buyer. She's beautiful. Something. I, like a buyer, but kind of a buyer. It's kind of not like a, a funeral buyer. Pyre. Funeral pyre. <laughs> it's not buyer. a pyre. Buyer. <laughs> sticks that have a platform that people sit on. I know. I'm hoping that everyone listening is just screaming at us. Yes. Like ghosts. <laughs> 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 it's called a plank. Okay. The crowd, this crowd's carrying her, this beautiful procession. She's gorgeous. She has, she's wearing like a beautiful golden Grecian gown. Her hair is long and flowing and curly and she has a little... What are those called? One of those things that you put on your head. That's <laughs> not a crown. It's like a tiara, but it's, it's like, a, tiara, like a, a diadem. Thank a you. Diadem. It's like a little, like a little diadem. Thank you. Um, I'm like, it's a diadem. <laughs> so Gabby's sneaking around looking for trouble. And then Joxer shows up and throws a net over her. Oh, yeah. And then she beats him up and he draws a sword and right. she beats him up with a stick. And she's doing such a good job. She's doing a great job. Him. And she's not, it's not taxing for her. Um, no. <laughs> and it's just, it's so fun watching Gabrielle really fight with Yeah, I know. And like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And just handle, handle Joxer. Yeah. With ease. Uh, yeah. He draws a tiny little dagger from his boot. Right. And then she's she like, keeps fighting him up. Chuckling, like a sinister chuckling. I know, the knife is so small. Yeah. And then she pulls out a crossbow and then Gabby breaks it in half with her staff. Right. And then she just completely beats him up. And then... 
And he she has says, a funny "Stay down. There's I want you. <laughs> yeah. Stay down. There's something I gotta do." <laughs> yeah, I love when she's like, "Just stay down. <laughs> I'm busy. Okay, I don't need to do this." <laughs> but yeah. So then we're inside this temple mm-hmm. with the oracle. Everyone is hushed and lining up to ask her questions. Zena's wrapped in one of the shawls, and she's like yeah. looking around for trouble. People are we're chanting. There's a lot of candles. Oh. <laughs> The oracle ascends in front of everyone. Again, she's beautiful in her golden silk dress. And then she's like the total opposite of the oracles we saw in the episode Prometheus, which we already mm, like mentioned again. Right. And that's, mm-hmm. Because in that episode, those oracles were these like thonic snake. Right. And a multicolor. Like dancers. Mm-hmm. And there's three of them being like this three-faced goddess. Right. Like gauzy fabric. Of the, yeah. But the oracle Delphi is very like stately and... Mm-hmm conservative yes so do you want to hear about my oracle of delphi i research? do let me pull up in my notes let me pull up in my okay so and also in that prometheus episode i talked about the oracle of delphi but since she is so amazing and there's like a bajillion years yeah. of information. I thought we could talk about her again. Because who doesn't want to talk again, about her? Again, More, 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 more. I also had a couple books on my shelf I've been reading to crack open. Mm. So I felt like now's the time. Perfect. So I read chapters, the chapter of the Delphic Oracle from mm-hmm. the book Priestesses by Norma Laurie Goodrich. Mm. I also browsed through Portrait of a Priestess, Women and Ritual in Ancient Greece by Joan Breton Connolly. And then I also looked through the article Reflections on the Origins of the Oracular Apollo by B.C. Dietrich in the Bulletin of the Institute of Classical Studies, mm. 1978. Mm. Delicious reads. I Highly love recommend that bibliography. <laughs> Thank you. So the oracle in this episode is like not in line really with what we know about the Oracle of Delphi at okay. all. But... Like I said before, it's interesting that the writers had Callisto be from Syrah, hmm. uh, which is a different spelling from the actual town, but they're noted for their Oracle of Apollo, as I said before. But I couldn't find any super strong mention of what that oracle actually looked like. But in the Reflections article, they mentioned in Syrah that folks would make prophecies using the movement of fish. Whoa. Awesome. I know. Isn't that cool? Mm, <laughs> I should look at my aquarium more often. You should. Be like, just like Syrah. <laughs> Okay, so in this episode, we see the oracle traveling into the town, and a bunch of women were there, mm. and neither of that, neither okay. of those two things would, like, ever really happen. All right. So Delphi had been settled and a cult since the Bronze Age, mm. and the Golden Age of the Delphic Oracle was 8th through 5th century BCE. After its various plunders and decline, people were still obsessed. They are still obsessed. Mm -hmm. And they say they can still feel the power of the space. You can still go visit it today. Emperor Justinian in 529 AD was the one to really shut the whole thing down. Um, So he shut down all the oracle schools of philosophy in Greece, which cut out like a main line of education for women and just eliminated priestesses. So like. Why do you do that? Up until then. Um, I don't have the exact reasons, probably just because he was a dick and Roman emperors are like not cool. True. I guess it probably was a politically powerful site as well if they were like. I mean, I imagine that's kind of, you know, for because for so long, Christianity and paganism would just not live in harmony. But you could Mm -hmm. have like members of the same family who were Christian and some who believed in these old gods. But as you know, time progressed and people were trying to make power moves, they would 
trend. I mean, you know more about right. this kind of stuff. No, than I, I mean, do, but they would like. When was Justinian? I forget. You said it was from my notes. It's five twenty nine A.D. Okay, okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that feels in line with things mm-hmm. like transitioning to Christian power. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. yeah. So and also like cutting out any kind of female strength because these women were like. You know, it's not just like, oh, there's one woman who's the head priestess. There's like multiple oracles of Delphi, like on rotation. Mm -hmm. And there's multiple priestesses and they, within this whole structure, like it was a, like a a full town and Mm -hmm. full functioning people who had a lot of power in their society. Yeah. Okay. So since in this episode, the oracle is like coming to this town, which we know is not a thing at all. The oracle just stayed at Delphi. So hmm. I will take us on the road to Delphi. Take us on the road to Delphi. So in the ancient world, the road from Athens to Delphi would slowly rise ahead of you up to 1,800 feet. Trudge. You pass through meadows, farmlands, villages. You pass through the cursed town of Thebes. Ooh. And from Thebes, the road turns steeply through Parnassus, oh. the home of the Muses. You walk along the Gulf of Corinth and the sea. Trails converge, and you meet other pilgrims along your way. Hello. You walk along the mounted edges. There's dry cliffs of stone. The sun is beating down on you and the earth Ah. as it crackles and dries (laughs) below your feet. We're thirsty. We're crusty. We're delirious from our travels. Suddenly, we come over Uh. a crest, and there are temples rising (gasps) from the the horizon. Finally. There's tourist shops for pilgrims as Uh you reach. (laughs) Isn't that great? (laughs) And then the path continues up the mountain to Delphi. Mm -mm. So the northern path up the mountain is called the Sacred Way, and it goes up to Apollo's temple. It's a slow and hard climb, and when you get there, again, you're just, like, so tired and dry, dry dry-eyed and thirsty and delirious. I'm just dry. You're just, like, yeah, everyone is really emphasizing just, like, the dryness. <laughs> it's there. really dry. I need some lotion. You need some chapstick right? and some lotion from those <laughs> some tourist just, shops. No, just a chapstick like, is fine. <laughs> is there a Walgreens around here? You can just apply it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so this town, there's columns, there's a theater, there's a stadium that could seat 5,000 people. Whoa. And they would host the Delphian Games, which was held two years after each Olympic game. Cool. And then the Delphian Games later were like athletes, uh, but originally it was about poetry. So people would just go How there cool. and poem at each other. I know. Oh my God. And then like poetry and kind of oracular proclamations have always been really closely tied. Mm-hmm. So it's just so interesting thinking about like art and the divine and human spoken word and all of these meanings and metaphors and yeah. all that. It's beautiful to think about and that it was all considered kind of sacred in the space. Mm-hmm. The entrance to the temple is on the eastern side of the mountain, on the opposite side of the Phidriades, Phidriades, sorry, which are these two massive harsh cliffs. So Delphi is located on the crossing of major ley lines, and people have claimed difficulty breathing, vertigo, oppressive weights, downward pull of the body just being in the space. Yeah. I have a question. What is a ley line? Um, Ley line is like... <laughs> don't make me look things up. I'm pretty I sure don't... it's the seismic fault lines. Okay. But let me look up that that is totally true. Because I was like, I know what this means, but I don't actually. We can Sorry. edit this out if we want to. Yeah. Okay. Ley lines refer to straight alignments drawn between various historic structures and prominent landmarks. Mm. Mm. That's not what we want to know. That's not what we want to know. Ley line. It sounds like. 
But it was referred to as the like omphalos of the world. So it was like the navel of the okay. ancient world. Yeah. So everything was just like viewed this as like the central point of the body of the earth. Okay. And um, so it was like the seismic fault lines were there. That makes sense. I, There's, yeah. yeah. I think the. I just like the words. Layla. I like it too. I feel like the seismic <laughs> fault lines and kind of like it has like a mystical but also like geological connection between the divine and the ground. And so that makes yes. sense to me. Yeah. Let's say it's that. And, and then originally it was, um, I didn't like talk about all the mythology in this one, but it was like an earth goddess space before it was then. It's like, it's mm-hmm. ancient. It like totally yeah. predates Apollo. Like it's only Apollo space because he like killed the dragon that was there, which oh, we yeah. all like, whenever you we kill know a dragon, what that you're means. like killing something else. Mm-hmm. So Delphi, blah, 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 we talked about that. Worshippers and pilgrims had to fast. They went through purification, isolation. So like, there's no way that anyone would have been able to get that close to the Oracle of Delphi with a weapon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there, yeah. That's just not, you would have had to go through like weeks of all of this stuff to get wow. there. You would bring offerings, and then your question had to be made in person, face-to-face. You Mm. could send an emissary to ask the question, but it's not – there's no, like, reply by mail or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Also at the entrance was Hestia's hearth, which was the eternal flame of Greece. Mm. So there's an eternal flame burning. And um, you you told us all about Hestia in that episode. We love her. Yeah. We love her. Male (laughs) – hey, Hest. Male worshippers went past the internal flame to the sacred rear of the temple – the inner sanctum towards this towering gilt statue of Apollo. Um, in the Portrait of a Priestess book, she mm-hmm. talks about how there's no record of female pilgrims being able to go into the temple and ask directly, but because there are so many recorded questions mm. talking about uh, childbirth and other, like, traditionally female questions, we know that li- women, like, were involved, mm-hmm. but there's no record of them, like, being allowed inside the temple. Right. Um, Maybe they sent an emissary or something. Mm-hmm, exactly. They would send, like, male emissaries. So type of answers made by the Pythia, um, or she would offer commands, sanctions, prohibitions, warning, information concerning past history and traditions, future predictions. She would talk about divine, domestic, political, religion, recommended sacrifices, warfare, human affairs, rewards, punishments, occasions, and catastrophes. So she would talk about everything. Yeah. Um, Pretty all-encompassing. Yeah. So you get... you. Um, you head through these underground chambers mm. and you see the Pythia on her gilt tripod. Mm. And she would also only make proclamations. I didn't write this down, but it's like on the like Saturday closest to the new moon mm. or something. So you had to like time when you'd get there and make sure she was actually there. Cool. The tripod is above a deep fissure in the mountain. Vapors rose up and helped her go into a trance. Um, and the last time I talked about her, I talked a little bit more about the like drugs and things that mm-hmm. were used. Yeah. But again, she was unpassionate. There's no frenzy. Mm-hmm. She spoke with measure and grace and uh, subtlety and logic. She was like the word from God. She was also like funny and quippy. Oh. And then there were priests there to transcribe and translate her messages. So sometimes, even though as a pilgrim you're there with her, you might not necessarily like understand exactly what she's saying. Because right. it's just coming through her. Who knows mm-hmm. how? But sometimes it's like totally present and coherent and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like a little wacky sometimes it's a little i see so herodotus quoted one oracle saying once telling someone i know the number of the sands of the sea and the measure thereof which is nice i think i was going to go through 
I was just, I just love that she would know the number of the sands of the sea. Yes. And like everyone in the ancient world just loved her. Everyone sought pronouncements for her. I love her too. I know, me too. Plutarch describes spirits breathing into her to cause her prophecy. And mm. uh, pre- the author of the priestesses also talks about priestesses may die prematurely because Apollo's mm. breath is too powerful, fracturing Ooh. her rib cage. Oh my god! Great? So I couldn't find any research on like death threats to the oracle. There are a couple, mm-hmm. like it was sacked a couple times in war that I feel like we could talk about at a later time. But mm-hmm. there wasn't anything to like this extent of like an attempt made on her life right. at such a close Someone range. Someone came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like she was definitely kept safe from the outsiders by priests. She never really left Delphi. So do you want to hear a couple Pythian maxims to take us out? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a good one is know thyself. She's also told someone oh, to yes? let no one enter here with impure hands. Oh, that's a very She's, important one. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> especially for right now. Everybody wash your wash hands. Your hands. Um, a pledge and ruin is nigh. Oh, Know that you are but man, not divine. Okay. Do not turn back while on a journey. Sure. Um, And this one I thought was really great. So she talked to Lysurgis of Sparta, who was a, like, Mm. commander or someone high salute person. And he consulted her about the constitution of the city. And she gave him a constitution that lasted for 500 years. Which is like oh, longer than the American wow. Constitution, isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's and the Constitution impressive. is all about. It was so impressive, and it's all about like equal representation with taxation, mm. and like everybody gets a voice. And it was really like some progressive stuff. And then later, Lysurgis gets in a fight with the kid and lost an eye, and goes back to her and says, "Am I doing everything right? Is everything going to be okay?" And she's like, "Yes, you're doing <laughs> such a good job." <laughs> Don't worry about <laughs> it. It's I'm fine. Like, oh, okay. And then another time around 700 BCE, some veterans came to her for asks for land. And she said, no, you don't want that land. You have to settle, quote unquote, where the goat first catches the scent of the air and wets his whiskers and tip of his gray beard with its salt smell. That was nice. All right. All right. <laughs> I know. Got to wait for those goats. I didn't think we would go there, but. So. I want to yeah, go there, so though. This- it sounds great. I know. I want to. I really have just been wanting to see goats, more goats lately. Yeah, with like some salty dew on their whiskers. Yeah. So some it fog. was okay. So <laughs> some fog. So again, wrapping this up, the this episode's oracle is not the Delphic oracle, but it felt it was just fun that they tied her in, and mm-hmm. it was. And I guess we get like cool. her popularity and like yeah. The kind of, like, importance, the civic importance of her presence, even if we don't get, like, the Delphic Oracle in, you know, her seat, the Pythia in her seat. In I know, which is just so, it's a little frustrating because it's, I, from my memory of this show, we never. I know, we never Really did. go see the Pythia in I all her really want to see the and Pythia. And it's, like. So, like, something about the show, which is interesting, is, like, all the, like, fictional female characters they make are, mm-hmm. like, so rad, yeah. so well thought out, it's <laughs> awesome. But then the actual historic ones are not portrayed in right, my true. favorite way. Yeah. Like, later, I think they talk about Athena, and it's, well, I know, we see Athena later, and yeah. it's just not quite Athena. I know. I and agree. 
It's just interesting. Yeah. Interesting show. We have our preferences. Yeah, we have, we're opinionated, <laughs> we have our- <laughs> clearly. We have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All righty So we're there. And somewhere in the crowd, there's some armor clinking. Someone in their clink, robes. Clink, clink. Well, clinking away. The exact sound profile of her chakra (laughs) being unhinged. (laughs) Someone's unhinging my chakra. (laughs) And she sees Kalisto, and Kalisto looks great. She just like has the robe cloaked over her eyes, and she's very sneaky. Mm -hmm. And Xena sees her, but not in time to stop her from throwing the chakra. And then we get (laughs) chakra view. It's sailing on the temple, it's approaching the oracle. Fade to commercial. And we're back. <laughs> the chakram's still <laughs> sailing to the oracle. <laughs> and then Xena throws her dagger and knocks it off course, sending yes. it back to her own hand. Perfect. And she grabs it yeah. and runs away. And Kalisa hiss- are- Kalisto hisses, throws this her robe off. This is the first off. of her hisses that <laughs> oh, we really? see. Really? The very and first? Oh, I think it's the very so first hiss. <laughs> it's so unexpected and so I, I, dedicated. It was just exactly... What you? She's just this. <laughs> she's cornered wild. Yes, <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs> she hisses just as if this is something that she normally does out of just anger and frustration to get people away <laughs> yeah. from her. <laughs> yeah, and it works. It works. So she leaves. Zena's chasing after her. They drop their disguises, and mm-hmm. then there's a pretty cool shot of. When they're leaving the village and, like, everything in the village is kind of getting in the way of the camera. So it really, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It was just a really nice world-building effect and I also like a nice way to, like, make it look how fast or really show you how fast they're going. Because mm-hmm. everything in the scene is just spilling by yeah. you really fast. It was just fun. A lot of interesting things in this episode. It was fun. interesting. And they have a fun horse chase across a beach. Yes. This is a scene that I remember very well. Oh, they're just like, their drums are playing. Mm-hmm. Everything's intense. We think Xena's heading to a trap. I don't know what's happening, where this is going to go. Xena mm-hmm. gains on her in the sand because Argo is the absolute best. Yes. And then watching Xena laugh at this is also <laughs> delightful. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and then Xena jumps onto Kalisto and right. horse, tackling her. They both fall down they- into the sand dune. The sand dune. Kalisto's screaming. Xena catches her and ties her arms behind her with her leather whip. (laughs) Good thing I've got my whip. I know. And she puts her on Argo. And there's a really hilarious part where uh, Xena's... So uh, Kalisto's on Argo and with her hands tied behind her. And she's just like trying to kick Argo to get her to go. And Xena's like, stop kicking my horse. She's not going to listen to you. Just stop it. And yeah, she apologizes. Like, She's like, you know, I, what happened to you was terrible. It's my fault, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, about what she can do at this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then this whole time, like, Calista's not going to – she's not going to have yeah. a real conversation with Zena. Yeah, There's she just no way. She's Zena. also like – yeah, she's, like, so triggered and dark and mm-hmm. just, like, oh, we're supposed to be best friends now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And then Gabby runs up. And says Malus um, is organizing a lynch mob, because, and he's gone crazy. Oh, dear. And then Callisto is, like, just being kind of snotty and, like, taunting Xena mm-hmm. about receiving a fair trial. And she yells at Gabby about dreaming every night about her mom's screams I coming know. from her burning home. 
It's horrifying. And ask Zena how she sleeps, and Zena's like, I don't sleep very well either. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, dark. Yeah. yeah. Zena probably hears a lot of screams. Yeah. And then Kalisto's like, have you ever been tried for all the things you've done? Ever handed over to a mob that wanted your blood? And, and Kind of. And it's, yeah, she has kind of. But it's, yeah, it's at this moment, like, how can Zena really take her to trial mm-hmm. when she's done exactly the same things right. that Zena's yeah. done? Like, what makes Zena any better? Right. Because she's Zena and she's trying to do Because right she's Zena and she's Zena. Because she's the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we all know in our hearts. Yeah. And Gabby says that Kalisto's heart has been eaten by hatred. Oh, because Zena was like... Um, she can turn to maybe she can be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Kalista's laughing like, no. and mocking everything. Mm-hmm. And then she's going to dedicate her life to killing everything Xena loves. Yeah. And she's a monster the, with integrity, she yeah. says. And the idea of Xena's pity is worse than death. Yes. Yeah. The monster with integrity was such a nice line. Yeah. Take me to the yeah. mob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we get to the town. Everybody has pitchforks. Yeah. And the crowd and looks like, like it's about a five on the one to ten <laughs> enthusiasm scale, but they are raising their arms at least partway with their pitchforks. <laughs> Get her! Get her! They call her a monster, a demon. Zena's going to take her to jail for a proper trial. Malus is leading the mob to get her. And she, Callisto's just smiling and mocking everyone. Mm-hmm. And Zena stands guard at her cell. Callisto's like taunting her. How many will you kill? <laughs> and she's just, like, using all this psychological torture on yeah. her and reminding her how she can't leave her past behind her. And she's like, let the mob have me. Right. And she's just playing this, like, sitting in the cell, rocking back and forth in the, like, mm-hmm. creaky little bench. Right. She's so crazy sounding. And it's amazing. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. And Meanwhile, then- outside, Joxer's trying to capture Gabby again and failing again. Mm-hmm. trying to make a name for himself. One last thing that Kalista oh, said yes. to Zena is, as a villain, you were awesome. As a hero, you're a sentimental fool. Ooh, Kalista. I like that one. You know. Okay, so yeah, Joxer's, what was Joxer outside? What's he doing? He's just trying to capture Gabby. <laughs> Gabby's like, you don't have the it factor. It's never going to work. <laughs> you should be a fisherman instead. He would be a great fisherman. He would I be will say he's wearing yeah. basically a fisherman's hat. So yeah. I think he's well suited to the job, but yeah, he's like, I like stealing, I like fishing. <laughs> She's like, go with fishing. Yeah, and then I wrote, he shakes her hand and she elbows him. Oh yeah, he like shakes her hand and then he tries to capture her. Oh yeah, yeah. He's like, haha, yeah. got you now. And she's like, no, just stop it. Yeah, just, just knock stop off. it. And while this is happening, Melas throws a torch into Callisto's cell. And she's like, I'm going to die just like my family. Perfect. Oh, my god! Don't gosh. worry. I won't scream like my sister. She's I know. so crazy. I know. She's so oh. scary. She's like, oh, no, no, uh. no. Not the fear, Zena. I won't be screaming out like my sister. <laughs> <laughs> she's so <laughs> scary and terrifying. <laughs> um, and then Zena Zena's like, out. come out. We're leaving. Yeah, We're getting out of here. Out of there. Oh, my God. But, and uh-oh. then we, but we see that Kalisto <gasps> had unlocked the chains that no, were binding her hands. No. She screeches at Xena and hits her with the chains and traps her in the burning cell. She flings the keys oh, away. No. What happened to the jailer? And then she hisses and runs out the door. Yeah, where is the jailer? <laughs> I don't know. I thought I saw him before, but. 
We did. He was just I useless. guess he ran he away. He just left when it caught on fire. Yeah. She hisses, runs out the door, kicks Melas, jumps in a horse. Yeah, hisses, hisses again. again. <laughs> and then kidnaps Gabrielle. Oh, my gosh. Look, she kidnapped then, that little girl, says someone. <laughs> uh, Zena's trapped in the cell and the flames are getting higher. I know. What's, What's she, she going to do? do? She's going to run up the wall and jump out of the <laughs> – flip herself out of the grass roof, <laughs> landing directly beside Milas. I was not expecting her to do that. <laughs> Me neither. I forgot that she did that in this. I was like, is she going to jump out of this jail cell? But how? There's a roof. She did it. <laughs> just jump through it. And then when she lands, she just says, where is she? And just completely nonplussed. I know. Um, Melis is like, Gabby was right. Her hate led to others being hurt. We betrayed everything. Yeah. Tell Zena that Callisto kidnapped Gabby. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, people like us should listen to people like Gabrielle. Yeah. And it's true. Mm -hmm. We should all just not just harbor listen. hate. I know. Just listen. <laughs> she's right. We all want to scream and hiss and screech and then laugh maniacally. But maybe we should take a pause and listen to Gabrielle. Yeah, do some inner work mm -hmm. and figure out how to let go. So yeah. to expel some of that anger. Yeah. You can't you gotta it has to go somewhere, do but some we can inner do it work and do some external good and then see yeah. if you feel better. Inner work, external good. Thanks, I Gabby. Like oh, okay. Xena rides off. Mm -hmm. So we're back to this giant ladder sculpture creation. Yes. Callisto is climbing. The energy is high. There's a lot of activity oh my going gosh. on. People are I mean, bustling we're in a ladder sculpture. <laughs> something. What could it possibly be in? It's like a crevasse, it's, but it's lined with grass and bamboo. <laughs> it's, so it's made specifically for ladder this. fighting. Yeah, ladder fight. So everyone's working on stuff. Gabby is hanging from a rope in the middle. She's like four stories up. Yeah. If she fell, she definitely would breaks a lot. Yes. And probably die. Yeah. Callisto's taunting her. Mm -hmm. Callisto's balancing on the ladder, flipping back yeah. and forth, it's like just four stories up. vertically. It's she's amazing. Like, yeah, she's relishing the challenge to fight Xena. Mm -hmm. Either way, she'll win. Yeah. But what does that mean? What does either way mean? Ugh, I don't know. I mean, part um, of what I love about Callisto is her respect for Xena. She's yes. like so, it's just like it's similar to Ares. Like, we love these yeah. villains who love Xena in her entirety. And like the, that, they are com so completely obsessed with her yes. and her power, Ugh. and like becoming her and consuming her yeah. and destroying her. Like that's what you want in an nemesis. Yes, <laughs> and they do it so well. It's so perfect. <laughs> so a soldier found Joxer sneaking around. Oh, yeah. He's holding his nose with a handkerchief still. Callisto mm -hmm. uh, says he failed, and Joxer says he softened Gabby up for Callisto. Yeah, and then. She's just being, like, extra, extra scary. She's yeah. showing all of her teeth when she, like, snarls, smiles, and yeah. she has these wide, crazy eyes. Yes. And she instructs him to kill Gabby. She gives him pretty, in like, specific instructions to cut her yeah. throat. It's very yeah. scary. It was really <laughs> frightening. And Gabby's, like, clearly frightened. And especially yeah. having, like, you know, knocked jocks or, like, bested jocksers right. so many times mm -hmm. in, like, a clean fight yeah. than to have her be, like, held by the arms by someone three right. times her size and then have him slit her throat is right. really extra horrifying. Yeah. Gabby's looking really scared. Yeah. And Joxer's looking very, like, scared also. Yeah. Because he doesn't want – I mean, it's also yeah. – it's one thing to, like, fight someone in battle right. on some principle that you guys are both right. You're dying both to believe in mm -hmm. and then just slitting someone's 
right. fruit like in cold a, blood. Right. It's totally a different. Prisoner. It's yeah. a war crime. Murder. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this would be a war crime. Yes, yes. And Kalisto's like, I want her dead. Do it. Do it. She's really angry. Yeah. He drops the knife. He can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then she says his backbone is mush. <laughs> Which, like, I thought was telling because, like, this is the moment when Joxer is, like, tested. Because it's actually really, really scary to say no to Callisto. Yeah. But he's so able to do that. Yeah. And that is his test. So good it job, Joxer. He did a really good job. Mm-hmm. He showed us who he is. Mm-hmm. And that maybe he's not the type of warrior he thought he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. but. The type of warrior who stands up to pure evil yeah. and to not commit a war crime mm-hmm. when pressed on it by an entire army right. is pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. That's good job, Joxer. you don't have a mush backbone. Exactly. Kalisto's um, wrong. You're wrong, Kalisto. <laughs> <laughs> we will die for Joxer. No, probably mm. not. I love him, though. And we do love him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not. Hey, look, I'm just not a warrior. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So then the soldiers chain Joxer up to kill him later. Yeah. So, but he can, he's still, like, present and watching everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Xena's on top of a pretty hill. She's looking for Gabby and Callisto, And she's looking she great. Rides up. Yeah, she looks so good. She rides up to this Thunderdome structure thing. Yes. And she's like, okay, we're going to fight to the death. <laughs> yeah. Great. I wrote in all caps, <laughs> and we come to the ladder battle. Because I'm so excited. <laughs> They're so exciting. Okay, so let's set it up for everybody. Yeah. Gabby's still hanging from the She's rope. She's hoisted. Mm-hmm. She's like four stories up there. Yeah. We see that one of the soldiers has set up a fire, classically, mm-hmm. a fire yes. under the lower part of the rope. Right. Unafraid so of what a- that fire is going to do to the dry grass hangings all around the ladder structure. <laughs> I mean, it would just make it more frightening <laughs> yeah. if everything's Kalista on fire. Would ju- we know what Kalista would do. She would just smile. And like and scream, and, scream. <laughs> and then flip the ladder Kill around everyone. at an alarming speed. She's so frightened. Yeah. So this fire is to that's you know an edge of uh, immediacy to this yes. because once it burns through the rope, Gabby's going to fall right. and die. And to um, be clear, at this moment, it's just a small flame, and it won't turn flame. into an inferno. But it's no. a possibility they're willing to live with. Yes. Gabby knows what's going on. She's, like, kicking and trying to figure out something mm-hmm. out. Xena immediately identifies what's yes. happening. She grabs a ladder. <laughs> She's like, oh, this is a ladder fight. Okay. <laughs> I choose my ladder. Callisto starts screaming. Xena hops on. Mm-hmm. Um, Callisto hops on, kicks through the ladder. Uh, through oh, yeah. the ladder. The camera angles are all, like, super cool. So it'll be, like, really close up on Xena. And then through the ladder rungs, you can see, like, Gabby yes, hanging in the yeah. sky. And then I remember watching this this episode with my dad, and we were both, like, so impressed. Mm-hmm. We were like, this is so great. And I remember my dad being like, this is so much like these, like, Hong Kong action movies. Oh. And I was like, oh, yeah. And, and realizing, like, that is a huge element to the whole flavor of the show. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm definitely not, like, well-versed in the Hong yeah. Kong action genre. Mm-hmm. But I did want to Google it and be like, well, this is clearly referencing all this. Yeah. So according to sister13.com, which is a website that was, like, comparing Xena scenes and the movies that influenced them, this latter scene is clearly inspired by a Jet Li scene in Once Upon a Time in China, Part 1. So, like, the plot isn't the same, but they have the same, like, ladder manipulation and fight against the clock, life and death elements. Cool. And then... They, the author on that site, like posted screenshots that, like, just side by side screenshot comparisons. And it looks so good. We clearly need to watch this movie. Because I I know from like other research that 
like the sound effects and the mm-hmm. like the camera angles are also all like clearly influenced by the specific genre of film. Yeah. That I think we would just oh, yeah. be obsessed with and we should watch more of. Yeah. We used to go to the four star down the street from like our neighborhood and it would have yeah. um, these amazing like action movies. Yeah. But that was in the 90s. I don't think they do them anymore. But it was super duper so. fun. Yeah. And it's I would so cool. love I, to watch that movie with you. I love I know, a ladder we fight. <laughs> we love ladder <laughs> fights. This fight is so good. Yeah. Xena kicks through the ladder, climbs up another one, and then soldiers are kind of kicking her. And Xena's having so much fun. Like, watching her whenever she gets to use use skills she doesn't normally use. And yeah. it's not just like a punch in the face right. kind of fight. Yes. She's just has such a good I, time. I mean, we've all seen the kick around in a circle and we love it. Yeah. We've all seen the flip out of a jail cell, and we'll take it yeah. every time. But now yeah. we see a ladder fight. Add that <laughs> to the repertoire. She does, uh, she does an amazing spin yell trill while she's on this ladder oh, spinning yeah. around. Like, <laughs> just keeps going. And then Kalisto does the same thing, but just screaming. <laughs> After her. Xena <gasps> dances around in the ladders and knocks two over, then tosses another one on top to make a seesaw. Oh, yeah. And then she mm-hmm. jumps in the middle. Right. And then Joxer's yelling at Gabby to fall a little to the left, which was funny. <laughs> and then Xena's, like, it, it took me, I don't know, as I was, like, taking notes and watching, like, I'm like, what is she doing exactly? And then I realized right. she made, like, a seesaw to catch Gabby. Yeah, right. And then, like, and so, right. Like... <laughs> I'll let, well, she's like the kind of dynamics of it is tricky because she's like walking towards the middle, but then mm-hmm. she jumps up just in time yeah. f- to like propel Callisto up yes. to the rope as Gabby's falling. So Gabby falls first, and then Callisto tries to jump on the ladder. Well, she falls because okay, let's. So Xena makes the a seesaw. Seesaw number and- one. Seesaw number one. She this is so we have to get this right, people. So she hops on the seesaw. She walks towards it so it like tilts up towards Gabby. Yes, right. Callisto jumps on it okay. to then um, displace the weight so mm-hmm. that it won't catch Gabby right. anymore. Xena tosses, I don't know if it was her shotgun or her knife to cut okay, the rope. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then Gabby falls and then Xena jumps over to displace Callisto, who flies up in the air and then right. catches the rope, and then Gabby lands on the seesaw. Yeah. It's an incredible so, move. The it's foresight. incredible that she calculated the, the entire physics. thing in like split seconds. <laughs> and then... Okay, so yeah. Where are we? So then Gabby's on the seesaw. Callisto's yes. hanging onto the rope. Xena's walking to the middle of the seesaw so that Gabby's end will slowly go down so Gabby can get she off. She's so kind, mm-hmm. yeah. And then... And then While the, Kalisto, the fire's burning... yeah. Right, the fire's, the fire's burning. burning. And then they're going to put it out, and she's like, no. <laughs> yeah. And Kalisto's rope breaks, and she falls laughing to the ground, but gra- Gab- or Zena grabs the rope. Just like just- one-handed <laughs> off balance. She grabs this entire woman's yes. weight. <laughs> and then Kalisto holds onto the rope. She doesn't, she's like willing to not fall. Because I just... Even though she had wanted to. Right. It was kind of... Un- which just makes... It's like, she's just erratic. Yes. She's just... She does, and she's she'll kind die. Of like, she doesn't care. She's kind of like, Xena set the terms. Okay. Like, she wants to play within Xena's terms a little bit. Because she yeah. loves that rivalry so much. Like, mm-hmm. she's willing to die and have it be Xena's fault. Or if Xena catches the rope, she's willing to 
live and fight another day, you know? Yes, exactly. Like, she is so... She's like, ah, ha-ha, level up. Yeah, yeah. Like, unable to step into her own power and be her own person. She's just so caught up in this, yeah, the Xena world that she's defined for herself. She loves it. That Xena's not even trying to play this game. Mm Mm-hmm. She just wants to like, manipulate <laughs> right. whoever she can. She's like, ha you caught me again. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's so awful. But she's like screaming and then what else happens? Okay, no, that happens. Oh, yeah. So like they. Yeah, she was screaming because she like had kind of wanted to die. She wasn't sure. She's right. caught. Everything's yeah. whatever. She's adjusting. She's been caught. They tie her up. Yes. And we kind of flash to they're processing her and the army away. and. Mm-hmm bonded and gabby's like i'm glad you saved Callisto." and zena's like it was the right thing to do yeah and then the villagers are putting all yeah they're all in change they're walking them out and Callisto's like the right thing to do that's what they think and then ominous smile ominous and then uh (laughs) joxer's nose was not harmed during the production of this motion picture however his crossbow was severely damaged (laughs) Well, Haley, what was your research oh, this episode? I did research on Callisto. Oh, I love her so much. Um, Tell us about her. I love Callisto. Um, so this Callisto is not a whole lot like the like mythological Callisto. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you all about the mythological Callisto. Some of you may know her as Ursa Major. Mm. She was in the sky. That's a constellation. She was a nymph, the daughter of King Lycaon, who is the king of Arcadia. Loacon. Not Loacon. Right. No, Mm-mm. not Loacon. That's a priest, I think. King Lycaon, yeah. the king of Arcadia, oh. who, much like others that we've known, tried to feed Zeus his own son, or maybe his grandson, or you gotta son stop of, feeding gods just children. Just don't do it. Zeus can tell, okay? Yeah. You can taste that meat. Yeah, he knows it. And so he fed somebody. He could have also been a son of his grandson, Arcus, who is the son of Callisto, or just a random child to test if Zeus was omniscient. But mm, he was yeah, the yeah. first um, werewolf. So we have okay. mentioned him before, I believe. Oh, Lycon. Yes. Yeah, okay, Lycon. Yeah, yeah. And, um, like lycanthropy. Exactly. And so, basically, yeah, Zeus turned him into a werewolf for that. And Callisto um, was his daughter. And she Mm. was a devotee or a follower of Artemis or Diana. But she was victim of uh, rape by Zeus. So Zeus saw her and raped her while she was separated from the goddess and her companions in the woods. And she returned to her companions afterwards and lived with them and hunting as usual. And nobody noticed until nine months later when they were going to the bathe, the bath in a stream. And she didn't want to take her clothes off to bathe, but the other nymphs helped her undress and immediately obvious that she was like nine months pregnant. Yeah. And Artemis was very angry. And there seems to be some like scholarly debate, not a particularly intense one about whether the problem was that she might have been, like, unpure because of her pregnancy because, I guess, like, menstrual blood was as unpure as the blood of childbirth, I guess, and they're afraid she would, like, mm. contaminate the stream or just because well, she was no longer a, a virgin. But she had been kind of there for so long, so who knows. 
But anyway, she, Artemis was so angry that she turned her away and Callisto bore her son, Arcus, in exile far away from all her friends and from Artemis, mm-hmm. who there's also kind of legends about her relationship with Artemis because in some legends, including Ovid, I think, it's said that Zeus took the form of Artemis in order to mm. impregnate her. And so yeah. it's possible there was some kind of romantic relationship between her and Artemis that was kind of broken when Artemis found she was pregnant with Zeus's child. So that, she, That's interesting. Yeah. And so it makes she sense bore, why she'd be serious. Yeah, right. And Zeus was so good at, like, taking the shapes of other things. But, you know, usually he takes the shape of, like, a swan or an animal. But in this case, he may have taken the shape of a goddess. And so Juno, or Hera, Hera? obviously angry about this, like she was about so many of Zeus's victimizations of other women. And so Hera turned Callisto into a bear and mm-hmm. was going to harm the son, but Zeus hid her son, Arcus, in the care of Maya, who's the daughter of mm. Atlas and one of the Pleiades, um, mm. and also the mother of Hermes. So mm. Arcus grew up in that area, and he became a very good hunter. And when he was old enough to go hunting on his own one day... So sad. <laughs> so, so sad. <laughs> he went on a hunt in the forest, and a beautiful brown bear came up across his path. And she was Callisto and saw her son for the first time in so long that she approached him. And just as he lifted his bow to shoot his mother, Jupiter transformed him and his mother into stars, the constellations Ursa Major and Minor. Mm. And Ovid tells that Juno was so enraged that this rival had not been killed as she had intended and had been enshrined in the skies that she banished them from the realm below the horizon. And that's why in ancient mm. times, Ursa Major and Ursa Minor remained in the sky and never dipped below the horizon as the sky rotates mm. at nighttime. And so that's the kind of legend around Callisto. And you can see kind of like so many mythological f- figures, she has you know deep pain and yeah. wounds and anger as well. And she has this yeah. also animal element of her that Ovid talks about. Yeah, and battling with her own victimization from all of these Mm -hmm. things that are put on her that she had no power over whatsoever. Right, right. So, like, so there's that kind of element of it. It's possible that Callisto herself, her relationship with Artemis is super-duper close. So, Mm -hmm. like, in the more recent mythology, it seems she was a follower, but there was also a case in which Callisto was an epithet of Artemis, and so there were some places, I think it was actually an Athens, in which, like, Artemis and the bear and Callisto are intertwined more closely than, like, separate people. And in modern times, or actually since the early modern period, Callisto is the name of one of the moons of Jupiter, given by Johannes Kepler in the 17th century, where he named— Thanks, Caps. Thanks, Caps. He named each one of <laughs> each of Jupiter's moons after those quote captured by Jupiter for secret love, which is a little weird. Mm. So that's secret love. Yeah, not ex- well. That's not caps, what we call rape. Come on, <laughs> you got it wrong. But he named them yeah. Io, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto. And Callisto, Aww. the moon, likely has an ocean covered with rock and ice, and it has a um, carbon dioxide and. S- molecular oxygen atmosphere 
So we could go live there? Let's go live there. Just hop on. So. And do you want to hear the passage from Ovid? I'm. Mm, it's a longer sure. poem, so I did like a little selection. And I used the Give me your selection. little selection. It's a kind of interpretation by Ted Hughes. So it's like semi-translation, mm-hmm. semi-poetic license. But it's very okay. pretty. So it goes. It's about Callisto and Arcus, her son. She loped around with the huntress Diana, her tunic pinned with a bold brooch, her ponytail in a white ribbon, and in her hand a bow or javelin. Of all of Menelaus's nymphs, she was Diana's favorite, but favorites have to fall. And then the part about her getting transformed is super sad, so I left it out. Okay. But we get to the part where he, she's, her son has grown and he comes hunting in the woods. Out of the long grass, his mother reared upright to face him, standing tall to see him better, fearless, as if she recognized him. She recognized him. Arcus backed slowly, mouth dry, terror, three parts wisdom, staring fixedly at the eyes that stared at him. But when she dropped on all fours, and he saw her shaggy shoulders, humping through the undergrowth towards him, she, he could not think what this great beast intended if not to kill him. He braced himself behind his spear to meet her momentum and drive that long, keen ground blade blade as deeply into her body as he could. (gasps) Jupiter saw it all. He stooped down from heaven and blocked the bronze point with his fingertip, then spun the mother and son up in a whirlwind. So these two, about to be reunited in that bloody crime and tragic error, found themselves far out in space, transformed to constellations, the great bear and the small, dancing around the pole star together. I just thought that was such a lasting image of the mother and son just subject to such, like, violence and injustice and you know, like so many mythological families about to embark on even further deepening their kind of curse of the family. Mm-hmm. But instead, in this case, they, you know, they don't get to continue their human lives and have what they deserve in terms of like living their lives together and growing old and grandchildren and all of these things that, you know, many families love to enjoy but they yeah. at least get to circle around the pole star together for eternity. Yeah. So I thought that was beautifully put. So the tearing apart of families and yes. ripping apart of sisters from sisters is really yes, intense. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and it's interesting to have Callisto, you know, chosen as a name for Callisto given mm-hmm. kind of you know, we are in kind of the field of the huntress. That is kind mm-hmm. of why Artemis always kind of strikes me in Xena Warrior Princess world as mm-hmm. like, this is some kind of other warlike or like other kind of female strength that's alien to Xena in, the, in her mm-hmm. world. Whereas, you know, Callisto is kind of taken from that world of women in the woods this kind of female society the, the name of this woman yes mm-hmm. yes 
Yeah, and completely... Because I mean, from how she talks about her family, like she talks about her mom and she talks about her sister. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think she doesn't talk about like brothers or dad. Yeah. So it definitely kind of evokes that same feeling of being ripped from, yeah, your your Artemis forest nymph home mm-hmm. as well, and yeah. taken from your taken from that womb. Right. It's a little reference to that other kind of yeah female social society, I guess female society. Yeah. So Callisto's a really sad story, but I do love now knowing the full story of Callisto when I look up at the sky and I can see yeah. Ursa Major and Ursa Minor up there. Yeah. Those beautiful stars. But, that was lovely. Thank oh, you. my pleasure. <laughs> I'm just like so wrapped up in that bear. I, like, I know, that bear. <laughs> the full poem is really beautiful, but it's a little bit violent and it's hard, you know, yeah. to read it. You said Ted Hughes? Ted Hughes, the... yeah. Okay. It's a ni- really nice kind of... Very poetic. It's not the most direct translation, so there are others that are probably closer oh, yeah. to the text. But yeah, that's I kind have of the phenomenal. Simpson translation of Metamorphosis. Lovely. So it's not the, not the same. Not the same. What is our Gabby moment? Well, I think my Gabby moment is that moment where she makes Zena promise her. I think that's a fabulous Gabby moment. What's your Gabby well, moment? You, well, you converted my Gabby moment because oh. it had been when she was fighting with Joxer, yes. and I was like, she's just doing such a powerful. Yes. Job. Yeah. Like, she's not insecure. She's not insured. Mm-hmm. She can completely take care of herself. She's right. in no way a victim. Yeah. Um, But your moment was definitely... I, I'll, I'll hold both of them. I can have two favorite <laughs> movie moments. <laughs> I can hold both of these moments in my heart. <laughs> she did... Yeah, she, it was her... Her role and her path are very interesting yes. in this. And I do love, like, how much I love Callisto and Xena as their kind of, mm-hmm. like, dyad or whatever you call it. Like, they're kind yeah. of like, you know, a, a helix, a double helix in this episode to think of, yeah. like, ladders rotating around each other. Mm, but yes. there's, like, like such an important place of Gabby in this episode, too, that's, like, yes, she can, by this point in the season, I think... Right, pretty early on too, but it's really obvious in this episode how much she holds her own space and like narrative in the series yeah. in this episode. Like we exactly. have these like two like really in your face, like powerful warrior women. And then we also have yeah. Gabby who's like holds her own physically and like like character wise in that yeah. episode as well. Completely. So I love it. It's, it's wonderful. It's an iconic episode. I mean, Callisto. One of my favorites. I just, I love you so much, Callisto. <laughs> the hissing, the screams, the costume. <laughs> I know. I just cannot wait for more. Ugh. This is, I mean, we're coming up towards the end of the season, guys. And guess what comes in second season? Like everything that I think is in like season four is in second season. <laughs> Every time I think, I'm like, is that in season six? No. no it's in season it's two. Always- Yeah, I think our version of Xena is really just, like, season one through three. Yes. And then we... Like, went to high school and, like... didn't, like, like, age out of it, yeah, but we, like, we were doing other things. We were probably watching, like, random... (laughs) I was probably just watching Seventh Heaven. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) All day. I was probably watching, like, The Shining every... (laughs) Watched a lot of horror movies in high school. <laughs> and we like did. um Olsen Were we? twins movies. <laughs> yeah. Talk about dying. White squall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Oh my god. 
Okay, this is kind of dating this episode, but I just read in the news that um, the older brother from Home Improvement was arrested oh for strangling God. his girlfriend. No! <laughs> you know, she's alive. She's okay. Oh, my but God. It was dark. I should have texted it to you. You should have texted me right away. <laughs> no, the I'm older sorry. brother with the kind of lanky hair? The one who is not JTT. The, like, only other brother. Yeah. Oh, the blonde, blonde guy? Yeah. He always... <laughs> Speaking of white squalls... <laughs> I'm gonna have is to this look interesting that up. Xena content. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> all the crossover home improvement. Yeah, Xena. I know all of you, lady millennials, know yeah. what we're maybe talking about. Okay, <laughs> we talked about our favorite Gabby moments. We did. We discussed them. Check it off. Now we're going to wrap this episode up Woo! and say if you like what we're doing here, you can follow us on Instagram. I-A-T-O-A-G underscore the Xena podcast. You can follow us on Facebook under the same thing. On our Patreon, which is a great website where you can subscribe, support to us. We send you exclusive screenshots from various episodes. Certain tiers of Patreon members get mini episodes Mm -hmm. with extra research from each episode. And then Haley also sends custom Xena-inspired artwork. And it is hilarious. (laughs) It could be yours. (laughs) Just thanks for the low price of whatever. <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> it's a lovely little surprise yeah, in the like mail. We have $1, $1, $5, and $10 tiers on our Patreon. And it's really fun. And we love all your support. Thank you, Patreon members who are supporting us now. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening and downloading. Give us a if review. If you can rate us on whatever podcast platform you listen to, give us a review. Mm-hmm. Really helps us get the word out. And we send love us it. any messages. Yeah. Email us at chattyfood at gmail.com. We love reading or, them. Yeah. All the, I get a lot of really hilarious Instagram messages. And <laughs> we love them. We read them Thanks all. for talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for talking to me. They're a true joy. <laughs> I think that's it. Oh, we also have uh, links on our Instagram and our Facebook will take you to all of the other accounts that we have and also to our merchandise website on Teespring. We have shirts and cups and bags and face masks, too, and socks. Fabulous. I've got to get myself a face mask. I know. I should get one, too. Face mask. Face mask. (laughs) (laughs) Right now. All right, guys. All right. Until next time. Does it sound like I don't wear a face mask? I didn't realize we have face masks. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we got face masks. That's so awesome.